0: So about eight or nine years ago, I decided to quit my job and go full-time as a freelancer, a very popular move that many of us all make in this creative field. I guess working for someone else just wasn't my vibe. And although it was incredibly risky to try and create a successful business of my own, I felt it made the most sense for me. In this industry, it seems that we only have two options, to either be an employee of a company or work for ourselves. For those of you who want to work for yourself, but maybe you're too afraid to take the risk, I get it. That shit is scary as fuck. I mean, by working for a company, you get the security of a monthly paycheck and the benefits. You can count on that amount to support your life. Freelancing comes with the freedom to do whatever the fuck you want, but it also comes with the financial insecurities and the instabilities at times. The big question will always be, when is the next paycheck coming? But what if I told you that there was a move that you can make as a freelancer that would be the best of both worlds, a little financial stability while keeping your freedom? That move? is retainer deals with clients. In my opinion, retainers are often overlooked and it can be a massive stability move for your career. Retainers can provide you with several months of consistent income that you can count on. And it can save you from having to stress out about searching for the next job. Today, we are going to talk about this in detail. What are retainers? How can you benefit from being on a retainer? How do you pitch a retainer to your clients? We're gonna get into all of this and so much more right after the intro. Let's roll it right motherfucking now. <laughs> And welcome back to another Morning Roast edition of the Black With No Cream podcast, where we deep dive into creative topics with the goal of giving you a daily dose of motivation and inspiration. You are now listening to the number one podcast for content creators on earth, discussing the ins and
1: outs of freelancing, filmmaking, photography, business, and more. And now your
0: host, coming to you live from the Black with No Cream headquarters in Los Angeles, off their fourth cup of coffee, Ben Haggerty and David Malave. Yo, we're live. Uh, What's good? We're doing this thing through uh, Zoom just because, you know, the pandemic getting crazier out here. So we're being good people. Dave, how are you? Your house looks cozy, bro. If people obviously aren't watching this on video because we don't do that anymore, but he's got the Christmas tree in the back. He's got the nice neon lights behind his TV, big vibe in the room. You know, the
1: minute it's Thanksgiving for me, it's the Christmas tree goes up instantly. Right. So we got Christmas vibes in the house because I always feel like we work all the way, like we work our house off all the way up till we leave for Christmas. And then Christmas is like two days when I get home and then it's over. For real? you I gotta get the gotta get the vibes right at home, you know?
0: Yeah, I always tell Lauren, I'm like, yo, we need to get the tree up early because we always dip for like three weeks and then that tree, I never see it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, are exactly. gonna see that shit at all. Um, yo, current events right out the gate. Uh Dave just dropped a new video. All right, if you haven't seen it yet. It's uh you can find it on Big Sean's YouTube channel probably. Or is it on his YouTube channel or his Instagram only?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, on, it's on both. YouTube it's on and both Instagram.
0: yeah. So you go hop on over to so, you know, Big Sean, the old boy, and uh, watch Dave's BTS video for, uh, what What song was that? Wolves? It was Wolves with Post Malone. With Post Malone. behind the
1: scenes, behind the scenes piece. A lot, of, a lot of dope moments in there.
0: Yeah, how was shooting
1: that? Man, it was a lot of fun, you know? I think uh, every time you get to, like, work with the like, person you've been listening to their music forever, it's always, like, really dope. And then, especially with uh, Mike Carson, his creative director, is the one that brought me on. So, you get, like, you know, just, like, the the intro, and you get to really talk with Sean and kind of, like, get that seal of approval to be able to kind of ask him questions or get those moments. And then obviously post just being like a, like everything you thought he'd be. So they provide a lot of dope moments for the camera. It was a lot of fun, man.
0: Yeah. The, the video turned out really fucking good. So part one came out today. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be, will part two be out by then? Do you know,
1: man, I have no idea.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. see. Just, just check fucking YouTube right now. Go watch that shit. Uh, and then also not just one video dropped today, two videos. Mine both dropped. The
1: boys dropped. Some both, yeah, it
0: felt good. It was funny this morning because I text or uh, we were me and Dave went surfing. We keep surfing, you know, and we were out there really just talking because there was barely any waves. And I was like, "Yo, my fucking music video just dropped," and he was like, "Damn, it's nice to know. Like, it must be nice to know that like things come out. You know what I mean? Because he, he yeah. had done this BTS finished it. I, this music video has been like I finished my part of it uh, like two almost like a month and a half ago, and it went to VFX." Uh, and Dave shot his BTS probably around that time too, right?
1: Yeah, we were both working on them at kind of the same time.
0: Yeah, so he just didn't know when his was dropping, and then coincidentally, it dropped at the just today too.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is perfect.
0: Um, but yeah, I just uh, the I've been doing this music video with Chris Brown. I edited it. Shout out to Jake. He he directed it for the first time. He's been on the podcast. He's like one of the, uh, episode number six or some shit. You Should go listen to it. But um, Jake directed it. Asked me if I could come help out and uh, edit it. I haven't edited a music video in a while. That was for someone else. And li- honestly, like some of the last people I edited for would have been Chris Brown like years ago. So it was dope redoing it. But we did City Girls with Young Thug, and it just dropped, and it's probably already had a million views or some shit right now, which is crazy.
1: How was it dusting off the music video editing chops?
0: It was cool. It was... uh, I mean, it's like riding a bike, in my opinion. But I just haven't been editing music videos specifically. It's like I've been editing all kinds of shit, just not music course, videos. Yeah,
1: just mo- specifically the music video. Yeah. like. But,
0: but the, the, the biggest thing is like the hurdles we had to jump to get it edited. Um, we were trying to edit it before, you know, Jake was in the U.S. And then he left to go to Australia. Um, and he's there for several months. Chris went to like Europe. And so we couldn't get to, we were going to edit at Chris's house, but we had to wait. So we were either going to wait till he got back. But I found out on Zoom I could hook up, shout to Elgato the goats, they have like a a USB hook, a hookup for HDMI. So I was able to hook up the DSLR point that shit at my computer screen. So we could have a solid stream with like no lagginess or whatever. And then I set up this funky ass system for us to be able to like edit on zoom. It was terrible because you're just fighting against internet and people talking over each other and shit. But me, Chris and Jake were able to sit in the edit for like several hours at a time. We just, it took two weeks or whatever, but we finally got that shit done. So I'm glad it came out. It's fucking crazy. The video is dope. It's it's definitely sick. So everyone yeah, needs to check this awesome, shit out,
1: man. That's sick. I'm glad you got to do that. Shout out to 2020 editing.
0: Yeah. 2020 editing, man. Damn. Today, yo, I feel like this is a good topic. So, so to, to start it off, shout out to Dusty Kessler, who's also been on the podcast. Dusty texted me the other day. He's like, yo, do you have any episodes about retainers? Anything specific about retainers? And I was like, Nah, I mean, I think some people who have been on retainers have talked about what that's like to be on retainers and shit, but uh, we haven't made a dedicated retainer episode yet, and so I think that it's, this is a great idea, it's a great topic. Uh, retainers are a great thing for creatives to tap into, and as you heard in the intro, I don't think a lot of pe- I think people sleep on it, you know what I mean? Do you feel it the same way?
1: Yeah, it's something that you kind of almost don't have to have in your tool bag, Like, and maybe hopefully this episode will kind of present that idea to you when you're kind of negotiating with the client you know you might not be thinking like oh i could just take this one job but what if i pitch them on a recurring thing what if i pitch them on a package deal where i could secure a bigger bag for myself and get work for a longer period of time rather than just taking this one job because i think if you see the potential that's a bigger opportunity for yourself and it's something that even i should i should kind of try to uh implement a little more. So it's something that's in your toolbox that you should kind of consider with the client. If you think like maybe they'll recur to you or that there's a opportunity for future jobs with them and you can secure that bag up front. And we'll keep talking about obviously like how you would do that. But
0: yeah. So, so I think for, for people who don't know what a retainer is, a retainer is essentially, it's like you're working part-time for someone essentially, right. Just without benefits. So a retainer would be like, you know, maybe you have a client who needs to make a vlog once a month and they keep coming to you and paying you a, a flat fee to make this vlog and instead you could be like hey if you just want to put me on retainer you know i'll do six months in a row we could do a contract for six months in a row and i will shoot and edit your vlog or shoot two or three vlogs for you that month for this cost and if that person agrees you're just knowing that every month you have to do a certain amount of work but you're getting a certain amount of money back in return for that work and there's tons of benefits to this. It's, it's security, right? Like I think at the end of the day, when you go freelance and you take the risk, you never know when the next check is. And that's what me and Dusty were talking about. Dusty is like, yo man, like, you know, I'm definitely sick of working the gig to gig thing. Like I'm tired of like, because, I mean, there's so many reasons, like you could do a bunch of good jobs and get paid a ton of money or whatever, every once in a while. And that's great. You have to keep chasing that shit that never really goes away. Like you're you're your own security. You're your own your own uh, uh, piggy bank for when shit hits the fan and we get a pandemic and you have you know no jobs coming in. So now you gotta pay your rent for odd hours or odd months in a row, and you never know like you know how you're gonna feed yourself and shit. So it becomes this thing of like how else can I create revenue that I can count on versus just hoping that people remember me, hoping that people will book me for their jobs, hoping that there's things going on that I'm gonna get hired for so the idea of setting up a retainer is like this secured safety net where you know you know if you can crack it for x amount of months or for a year or for infinity time because people may just need certain things you can count on that check to come in the bank you know what i mean like you can you can always know that oh sick I just have to do this one thing, but I'm always gonna have $1,000 a month just from that job specifically, which is a benefit, you know, when you're a freelancer because, and people who work full time jobs can also do this shit. Like you could go get on retainer for something else if you have the time for it, but primarily I was just saying it for freelancers because you for sure have the time. You know what I mean? Like when you work for someone else, you're committing yourself to that job. Most likely you're contracted to that shit. You might not even have the opportunity to go work for anyone else as part of your contract, but as a freelancer, This is a a super cool way for you to like know you have X amount of dollars coming in every single month.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think what's cool too about it is you can kind of, and obviously you would love to have a retainer that's just one fat check that's that's solid, right? But you can also kind of stack a couple of them if possible. Like let's say you have a couple clients and they hit you up pretty regularly to shoot videos or to shoot photos for them, and you're kind of noticing like, oh, they keep coming back, and these are one of my regular clients. Like, and we all have those types of clients. But still, you're not necessarily counting on it. They just come to you regularly. But what if you were able to pitch a couple of those clients on a retainer deal, and you get five hundred dollars here a month, 500 dollars, here a month, five hundred dollars here a month, and now from three clients doing you know a, a finite amount of tasks per month, you're you're paying your rent, you're paying all your utilities, whatever, and you still have free time to go even make more money on that. So it's 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 a cool concept if you're able to pull it off because you can. It's really like the same thing as it's the compromise, like we said, of, of having a full-time job. It's you can be going out and chasing whatever you want to do, but you know, with those three clients, your rent's getting paid. Right.
0: And you can also, you know, tap out a little easier when you commit to a full-time job. I mean, you want to kind of hold that thing for a minute. And if, if a job's not working out for you, you want to detach yourself from it. And with, you know, retainers, if you realize like for whatever reason, maybe the client's terrible It's not that bad of a thing to be like, hey, I gotta end this shit. Like, Either the money's not worth it, like whatever we agreed upon isn't worth it, or you're asking too much, or you're over asking, and you can get out of it a little bit easier than working with a full-time client. But also I think when we tour, it's like we're on retainer, right? When you go on tour, you're working for a weekly rate. So they'll book you at a weekly rate. When I do documentaries, uh, I'm about to do one soon, hopefully. I book people out on retainer, because I'm like, yo, can I have you for eight weeks and get your attention full-time, and this is what I can pay you per week, so that way, you you know that you have two months of work with me, but that's your main job, right? And you can take right. that. Now it's up to you to go above and beyond if you want to go and do any other other jobs, just as long as it doesn't conflict with uh what you know what you signed up with. You
1: know, when we talk about pitching, that's really key. It's like when you set up a retainer, you you are committing and you are you know asserting that for this rate, I will deliver this monthly, right? Uh-huh. And it's really important for that client if they're paying if they're going to be paying you a monthly check to know that they're going to get that delivered every single month. But I also think it's kind of like the concept of being on call, like a doctor, right? Like, for example, like you said, when you put someone on retainer for a documentary, like they might not, might not be working potentially every single day, all day. Probably they are. But like if a, that client that they're on the retainer with calls them up and says, hey, we need this. And it's under your like contract or under your agreement, like it's your responsibility to pay that because you've already like engaged in that transaction to, deliver that you know what i mean
0: yeah shout out to our boy darren he was our intern now he's like he's producing the podcast and darren when he came out here he didn't really have any leads on work he had just an opportunity to stay somewhere for pretty cheap and so he took it and early on he shot a lot of car shit before he moved out to la he was trying to pitch like local luxury car dealers on letting him shoot videos for them and we were suggesting yo do a retainer because the good thing is is that these car lots have tons of new vehicles coming in all the time and they probably need cool like social content so you should see if you could try to get them to be interested in shooting content for their social channels an easy way to do that is just to say yo I'll shoot X amount of cars per month at this rate and now you know you just achieved paying your rent. You know what I mean? Like if you just do that and you say, all right, cool, I got to pull up to this spot and shoot four or five cars. I could do that four or five days in a row. I could shoot three cars in one day. You can, you have the control to balance how much time that takes away from you, but you guarantee, you know, once, once they say yes, you guarantee that you will do that and that they will give you your money. So now you can kind of sweat less because you're like, all right, cool, my rent just got paid. Now, what happens if I can secure one other retainer client to pay me $600? That's my food for the month. All right, what if I can get another one that pays me another $700 a month, whatever it is, you know what I mean? And he's done a really good job at that shit. And I think he learned as he grew with the way he would pitch himself and figure out how to price it. And at first he was coming to us like, yo, here's my idea, this is what I'm gonna tell him. And he would list all these things that he was gonna give these people for like such a low amount of money just because he was trying to shoot for the moon like please hire me please hire me and i'm like you're gonna work yourself to death with this shit because you're gonna go above and beyond to do all this stuff for very little money they're winning super hard if they take this deal you know what i mean but you should start lower you can start by offering them different tier packages you can really separate the way you you price your shit so what how whatever they commit to you want it to be worth your time you know what i mean like De- or maybe maybe tease them with you know some extra deliverables for the first round or whatever for free as like a gift or whatever you want to do but that was one of those things and i think um you know i i did i did a retainer deal back in iowa and i i ran like a twitter facebook account for a party bus company and it was ill because they were like, yo, we'll just put you on retainer. And I think it was like maybe like 25 hours of, you know, every other week or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was just a flat rate for just me to hop on Twitter and hop on Facebook, make some flyers, do whatever it was. I could do it at my own pace. I could overcreate if I if I, I think if I overworked those hours, I got bonuses, like more money. You know, what I mean, I don't remember what it was, but it was an easy source of income for me to like rely on for certain things. And and I think that's the beauty with all this shit, man. It's like, you can just count on it. And I think being able to, especially right now, if you can find during a pandemic, find a client, for instance, go back to our, to Darren, the producer, he's, he's working with like a clothing company right now. And he just, I don't know if you probably, maybe you know more of the deal, but he has to shoot X amount of like t-shirts for this clothing company's website. And he just has to hop in, shoot them all. He knows he's getting his rate, however often. And it's that security that he can lean on during a pandemic that probably saved his life. He told me the other day that these retainer deals, they set up with a, a few different clients has, you know, kept him here during a pandemic. Cause he would have just yeah, been no, like, fuck, what do I do? He's done
1: great. He's done great. Cause he has the, he does the e-commerce photos for the clothing website. He, I think he has a retainer deal with a football coach to do videos with them. And he also had a, a, a real estate. So you can even like cross be kind of multi-dimensional with it. You know, you have a skill set that multiple people need, and the cool thing about those types of things is that their businesses, right? They need content on a regular basis, and you can provide. You can become their outlet for that. In the past, you and Andrew were going and pitching to clothing, different clothing companies, or like a, a whiskey brand about retainers. Can you talk about like what you guys were trying to
0: do with that? So, me and Andrew Sandler also been on the podcast from Shout Out. hello, people have been on the podcast. If you didn't know, Dave's been on the podcast too (laughs) for a personal interview outside of the Morning Rose. Ben's been on the podcast. I've been on the podcast getting interviewed by Andrew, who I'm talking about now. (laughs) Uh, So, me and Andrew were looking at renting this office space like a couple years ago, somewhere in fucking Echo Park or some shit. It was amazing, right? It was such an ill spot. It was expensive. Maybe like at the time it was like three grand a month maybe. And we were like, oh my God, that's so expensive. Like, fuck them. You know, I don't know if we're going to be able to pay for this, but we should be in here. We could do this. It had a full white psych. It had a lighting grid in the ceiling. It was like a really, we're so bummed that we never took that shit. But when we looked at it, we're like, yo, we could just build relationships. with." You know, we had a few different friends that ran clothing companies. Jeezy has his own whiskey brand. Stillhouse, And they were working with us at the time. So we're like, put ourselves on retainer to do product shots for these t-shirt brands or this whiskey or whatever it is. And that could pay for half the rent or even more if we, if we really want to go hard. And we know that it wouldn't take that much time because you could just offer a basic setup, a basic clean, like white backdrop with the t-shirts or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You don't even have to go extra hard on it. And at a bare minimum, they're getting the content they need that looks sharp. We're getting our rent paid for, and that solved a big problem for us when we were start. You know, if we would have been starting that business at that time, and and that was a it it was an ill mindset to me because I'm like, oh shit, there's a there's a lot of power in you know relying on that, and at the same time, we could have done that deal and even hired out someone you know to to come shoot the content. Like we could have just take taken a fee, and then we could have just maxed it out and been like, yo, let's dedicate eight days to the studio room to just open it up to like brands that we have deals with. And let them come in and we'll have a photographer come shoot the shit. We could take our fee as like a rental spot or whatever it is. There's like multiple ways that we could adjust it. But that was going to be able to be the thing that we needed that would have opened it up for us to be able to even rent that spot on top of the rent that we already paid for for our apartments and shit, which I thought was really dope. It's
1: super dope hustle hustle thinking that I feel like when you talk about the beginning, like, you know, do people forget, like not think about this? I think that is it. It's like, just it's almost out of the box thinking like when you're pitching someone, you know, because we're all used to like, either pitching a job, to, uh, pitching a pitching singular job to someone or someone coming to you and saying, I need this done. And you can just say yes, right? And I, that's what I do often. It's like, you know, there's a job, I'm gonna take it. Cool, I have my rate for that job. I make that, and I'm just confident with the clients that are coming in. But if you can counter pitch and provide a package deal or show them the incentive of booking you for a longer term, you're just leveling yourself up and you're providing like, you know, greater money opportunities for yourself, you know?
0: When we were on tour, the idea of taking any other jobs like especially the tour we're on with with B and J. It's like we're working nonstop all the time, right? So to entertain taking other jobs was a was a big risk. Impossible. Did you do any? No. Right. I so know. I did I, it.
1: I think I think tour tour is different. You know, tour is like you can call that a retainer, but you are taking that job. That's a twenty four seven job, you know, and you get the benefit of that secure check.
0: Yeah. I put myself at risk with that because when we were on that tour and I had, we had like two weeks off or something and I shot a project in New York oh, for yeah. EA. And yeah, so while, yeah, so at the time I'm like, oh, I have a break, I'll take advantage of this. And I know it's not gonna take me away from the, the job I've already committed to for however long we were on tour. And so I shot that shit. And then it took, there was like delays in it. So when I was actually editing this project, it was like on flights to South Africa, in the hotel in South Africa, in Dubai or wherever the fuck we were at. I was sitting there any extra time I had, I was trying to bang out my project. And now I was stringing myself too thin where I was like, you know, having to like make up excuses with the client to be like, Hey, going to deliver it in two days. There's this reason, blah, 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 blah. And I had to find, I, I literally didn't sleep. I'd go shoot with B&J all day long or whatever it was. And then I would come back to the hotel and I would stay up all night trying to finish that video just to deliver and hit my deadlines.
1: I think you were in India. Or in and India. You were st- you, you were in, because by that time we had, it was South Africa, Dubai, then we went to India. And you were you stayed up all night in the hotel one night. And I remember how dead you were the next day, but like, you had to put full gas on it to get it done. Yeah.
0: And, and to me, it was worth it because the bag, right? It's like, I'm like, oh, I knew I'm going to get that money too. So, and I can, I felt confident that I'd be able to handle both. I just put the the pressure on myself that was unnecessary and could have potentially harmed both relationships if I wasn't, if I didn't have the ability to deliver at that capacity. You know what I mean? Like if right. I maybe didn't have the skill sets I have, then I could have fucked up royally to both my clients and lost both of my clients, right? So- When you do uh, put yourself on retainer and you are trying to find this healthy balance, Th- that's why w- earlier when I was talking about Darren, it's like, you, you we want to make sure you're offering things that you can, you know, you'll be able to handle, right. And you don't want to overdo it. So you want to start with one, see if you, how that goes. we add two, add three, try to find your fine balance because you never know. Like when say you're, you're, you're a wedding videographer, right. And you do weddings quite often, like twice every weekend you're shooting weddings and you know, that takes up time with editing and so on and so forth. So you're quite busy, but you're like, Oh cool. I'm going to put myself in a retainer with the local restaurant and shoot food photos or, Whatever it is, you know, three times a month, and all of a sudden you catch yourself up with an extra wedding that needs you to travel, and now you're 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 tied, and you need to make sure that you balance both things. You you just have to be able to be have the steps in in order to be able to handle it, and also have a plan B because in these situations, if something did come up and you know you need to chase that opportunity, like. If you're if you're on retainer shooting for the local car company and the local restaurant, and that's great because it's paying your rent, and all of a sudden your dream opportunity happens, you can't just bail on these people because you fucking made a commitment. You know what I mean? That's going to tarnish your name if you dip. Now, if the opportunity is so big that most people will, they'll understand, right? But it's your duty to find a, a plan B in the sense of like, who is going to take your place if this shit falls through? Have you built an option for that? You know what I mean? Like if you ever if you ever think that it's possible that you could, you could have to dip or you could have to interrupt this relationship, you need to have a plan B or you need to have it in the contract set up to be able to like opt out at any given time, if that's the case, just so you don't fuck yourself. Cause even though it's your dream opportunity, it's gonna look bad on you in, in whatever you environment you are
1: And you have that prior, it's all about that prior obligation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like once you make that commitment, you can't just say, oh, never mind." You know, I have this new thing now. Like, no, you will engage in that business transaction. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure if you have your shit together, you could have that contractually obligated so that you know they're gonna pay you, Mm -hmm. but that also binds you to what you're gonna deliver, right? right? So then you're stuck under that sword. Going back to the idea of making sure you're not setting yourself up for failure, it's like a buffet, right? Like you think like, oh, I'm gonna put all this on my plate, and then you sit down, you're like, damn, I put too, uh, like I have too much, I can't eat this all. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like you, and that's the kind of the thing of like you want to just be, oh, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you five videos a month, I'll give you Instagram cuts, I'll give you IG stories, I'll give you Tipped, uh, reels. I'll, g- I'll give you an album of photos, and you're just like hyped. You're just like, yeah, this is sick. I'm gonna get thousand dollars a month, like whatever, right? And then you, it turns out like if you don't set your if you se- don't set yourself up correctly, you could go halfway through the month, two months in, and you're like, damn, this sucks. Right. Like, like this isn't even worth a thousand dollars. I should be getting paid three thousand dollars. It's because you didn't value that correctly up front, you know. And I think it's easy to kind of think like, yeah, I'll be able to do that. Like you're so excited about that check, but you really want to be realistic and understand what price do I want? What am I pitching? And then what's the realistic value I want to provide for them for that price and be conservative if possible, because you want to be getting paid commensurate for the work you're doing. You don't want to be overworking and getting underpaid because not only because everyone gets overworked and underpaid. Right. But if it's a single job, you just knock the job out and it's done. Right. And it's like, you don't have to worry about it anymore. If you're on right. a retainer and you've agreed to, you know, an unbalanced rate versus work, like you, you're, you're stuck. If you, mm. if you agree to this person for three months and like, there's no out and you can't find an out of it. Like you got to stick that through for two more months. It's not like you can just do the job for a week. You know?
0: I have a great story about a re- retainer situation. I almost got it. Now today, currently there's, I don't think there's any way I could ever get on retainer with someone. I had this really ridiculous one. There was another one that I got offered. It's funny. Cause there was like this job opportunity I got from being freelance and the one job opportunity that positioned itself where I was like, kind of entertaining it but it would require me to go full time and literally like put all my eggs in, their ba- in that one basket and it was to like damn I feel like I remember telling you about this and I don't even it's remember be- the, Beats and EA Beats and no it was yeah so this one was Beats that they were trying to get me to come on full time with them as like a creative director which would have been a f- fly salary but at the same time the salary was cool but I was like I think eventually someday I could surpass that you know what I mean as a, a- freelance and, and, free. and yeah, be and free and be free yeah. and do what I want versus like yeah. have to care about your brand the entire time um, right. And I said no to that shit, which was empowering. But then there was this EA one that I fucking said yes to, and it ended up falling through. And right. and it was tight. And shout out to EA because they've been a great client to me. But uh, there was one scenario where they they're at a time where I was offered, I was going to be offered like this high six-figure salary, not salary retainer to do to edit videos for like a franchise, and it was like. 20 hours a, a week maybe dedicated to this job where I would just have to like make quick social cuts or whatever it was. Something that would be very easy for me. High six figures for that. And then there was another there was another franchise I needed too. So it's two high six figures that were going to come together and I would take that on or maybe be 40 hours a week or some shit for me to like collectively do this job. And I was living on a fucking floor at that time and I thought I was going to go from like dead broke to like making a <laughs> Almost like 400k a year some shit, and then and then the and then the job disappeared. Like it wasn't and not like coming to life or whatever.
1: Well, you well, you I remember you telling me that you were like already searching at cars on on your on the on yeah like your computer. The first like, thing yo, I'm did. about to be able to buy this shit. Yo. Yeah,
0: the first thing I did was I was like, wait, I could get a car. I'm like, people lease cars. I'm like, what kind of car can I lease? BMW. I go to <laughs> I go to the I. I'm like, those things have suicide doors. I'm like, this is gonna be lit. This is only 1,200 a month. Fuck it, I'm gonna get this car.
1: Yo, that actually brings up a good point in my mind, though, because I think uh, when going back to the idea of this being a compromise with full time work, right? Mm-hmm. It is. But also, I think it's a point of caution to understand like, if you get a retainer, let's say you have a couple of retainer clients and you're like, man, I'm making $3,000 a month, and you go buy the penthouse apartment in your city. Oh, you're yeah, like, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right? Like, those retainers can bounce at any time. Like a, a company can find a loophole or at the end of the, the year, they're just like, you know what? We had a great time with you, but uh, we actually have someone in house now. And you were projecting like, yo, I'm good with them forever. And I'm sure like, not not everyone would do that. People are smart, but it is something to think about. Like, if you, you're like, oh, I'm gonna go get this new apartment. I'm gonna get this car because I'm making a lot of money now. But you really got to treat that retainer money as it's like, you're playing with house money, in my opinion. And Save it as much as possible. Be smart with it. Don't inflate your ing- your lifestyle to that to that level because it's it's still freelance. You still like it's not like a salary where they got to fire you. Yeah. you know, like and you you like.
0: We did an episode about this. The wait till the checks in the bank or something. Yeah. It was a morning roast forever ago. Right. But it is that theory, and I've I know way too many horror stories with people that you know are promised something and they believe it and they literally go run up the credit card or whatever it is. And then find out the hard way that that shit ain't coming to life, and you're fucked. Like you don't want to. You want to just always. I mean, that's a whole nother topic. Is just being able to be smart. No, with I mean, your it's bread. a
1: cool. It's a good point because you know, like you, you know, it's brought me up. Like when you looking at the cars, it's like you immediately start. God, could you and, imagine? And I think that's it's it's an it's human nature for all of us to the minute we start making more money to try to we immediately want to inflate our lifestyle. Like, okay, cool. I'm gonna buy some new shoes. Yeah. I'm gonna buy some new clothes and stuff. And like, I feel like becoming more financially secure the best way to do that is to fight that urge and i'm not even saying that i'm good at that you know what i'm saying i'm just saying like we all know that that's the way because you start have a little more money in your bank you start thinking like oh i need you know what i'm saying like like i could buy this
0: for me to to think that i didn't have a vehicle in la and i was living on a floor on an air mattress to the fact that before I looked at apartments, I was looking at a fucking car with suicide doors that went like uh, 240 miles an hour. What, like, for what, to drive down fucking Sunset? Like right. the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> like, nah, motherfucker, you need an apartment, buy a tent or something <laughs> at least, shit. But yeah. I, I, so okay, so l- let's go to how do you pitch people, right? So yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it goes back to kind of that Darren scenario is like, you wanna be able, when you have conversations with people, where you can tell that there's like a reoccurring need, for instance, real estate. It would probably be fairly easy to tap in with real estate companies and service them with retainers to create content for them on a monthly or weekly or whatever basis you wanna look at. Reach out to them because you're already gonna reach out to these people to book jobs anyway. How do you do it on so you can set yourself up for, for uh, the bag? right? Like They may not need it. They may not think they need it. They may need it Every once in a while, so maybe it's something where it's a lower lift for you, and you're able to charge maybe a little less than normal. Because the idea is like this: like when we go on tour, you get paid. You would get paid like um, probably less than what your day rate would be if you got brought out for a day, right? I mean, I mean, you do get paid. Almost every person that's ever been on tour knows this because they're saying like, "Yo, I'm booking you for a week of your time, or you know, eight weeks of your time." That's eight weeks of consistent payment every single day. Whereas if you were to be home and you were just doing your random jobs every once in a while or whatever, you might not always get to get paid every single day. So you have a higher probability of getting paid more in that time period with us for a little bit less than you would if you were to just like go off and do your one-off job. So that's, you kind of like know that's part of the deal is you will take a little bit less to to have several days. So it's the same to thing- To have with, that
1: consistency. Yeah, yeah, to have the
0: consistency. So it's like the same thing with these retainers. It's like, you might need to just like lower the bar a little bit to convince them to be, get them hooked in. But there's so many people that will hire different people for all kinds of shit. And you can always find a way to like insert yourself as as like a uh, an asset to them. Because especially with social, there's so much, that people need for social. I know there's all kinds of companies that will hire people to do their marketing for them. And it's like, we'll just pay you X amount of dollars just to like make our Facebook ads every month. You know what I mean? And right. that's a retainer. So he's all right, cool. People can do that. Who needs, con- who needs the videos and the photos for their Facebook ads? You know what I mean? Like
1: I'll give two examples. So we have uh, Grant Tucker. His mm-hmm. name is S.E. Knows on Instagram. He is a, like a shoe content creator. He creates like really dope like uh, been on the podcast 3d he's been on the podcast 3d models photos all this stuff whatever and he went on the podcast and what he was talking about was he's on retainer with with companies like finish line adidas like different shoe companies nike whatever it is and they'll send him shoes monthly and he lives in houston texas and he's able to just go to, go to town and create the dopest videos with these for these companies that they're able to use on social and that's a monthly deal so he knows he's probably delivering x amount of videos to right. x the, to a certain number of companies and he's getting the shoes such a dope lane to be in another one I want to bring up too is a uh, Quinn so Quinn won our uh Dutch Bros contest and she so by winning the contest she got a recurring relationship with Dutch Bros as a as a content creator and she's super ill so she killed it and she's still working with them and she's able to live in New York and they sent her coffee mugs, uh, coffee bags, whatever it is, to create, you know, dope little social clips um, for them to post on on social. So social media is definitely like a big lane. And these people do need things regularly, you know?
0: I I don't know if Quinn's Quinn's is actually a retainer or if they just hit her up when they have products, but that's a scenario where you could say that company is hiring her one-offs, you know what I mean? And Quinn, listen to this advice if you're not doing it already. But if, (laughs) if they're hiring you every once in a while, but you know they have so many products, you could potentially pitch them and say, yo, it's been awesome working with you. I would love to just set up a deal where maybe I create three videos for you every month for X amount of dollars. You know what I mean? Like it shaves off maybe 200 of what you normally would pay me for three videos. But, um, y- you know, this is a good thing for for us. And for the creator, it's a benefit because they may have only hired you for two videos that month. You know what I mean? Like yeah, instead you're, of- You're securing
1: more opportunities for yourself. Yeah. And I feel like that's what- the, the the point that you made was was good, which is they may not need it, right? Like, it's not all the time. It's honestly probably not any of the time. Like, you, you're lucky if someone approaches you and says, hey, I'd like to put you in retainer. That's sick. right? You know what I mean? Then you work out the details. But if you're like, how do I get one? It really is that pitch job. I think when Darren, let's go back to Darren, uh example when he was looking to try to get a job with the car dealerships, we advised him. We were like, yo, put a deck together, right? Mm-hmm. And he went and put a deck together And he described like, you know, he went in and described like what he could provide. He went in and showed like had screenshots of their current social media. And here's what your photos look like now and you're following. And here's what it could look like if you hired someone like me who could provide this type of content for you with sleek photos and videos or whatever. And, you know, here's my tier packages of what I'll deliver for certain prices. And you're able to put that together and actually present the company, the brand or whatever with you know, a proposal that they, they're they going to look at and then decide, oh, you know what? That would be cool. That'll solve an issue for us. So you have to really sell that that job to be able to land a retainer
0: like that, you know? Yeah, there's hella police driving by outside. So sorry if y'all think you're getting pulled over in the car again. Yeah, It. I think that there's a lot of, hopefully you've heard some of the benefits that can come from getting put on retainers. If you haven't considered yeah. this as like a, a tool for your for your business, definitely do. There's several ways you can implement yourself just start thinking outside of the box and just even having, have honest conversations with some of the closer clients that you have. You know what I mean? If you could see it as a benefit, like maybe you could, you know, like slide yourself into like a couple extra jobs out of them that you might not have gotten from the one-offs or the times you wait for them to hit you up. You know, you you never know how that's going to increase the the income that you have. And I think that that's a great move.
1: I think honestly, it's like, if you're talking about honest conversations, it's like, what, what are your what are your monthly needs like what what are things that you're needing fulfilled creatively uh you know whatever your lane is that I could potentially help you with you know right. like and may they might be on not, not be things that you know that like you might be doing a certain type of job but that you realize like, oh we really need uh you know photos for our ads and we're currently having to hire a bunch of people and then you find solutions for them within the cancer of a retainer well you know what i can provide what if I provided you fifty edited images per month right on a weekly basis and helped you out with that. You know what I mean? And now you just secure yourself more. So yeah, I think understanding what your client needs and what you could potentially provide them with is key. And then it's about when, like I talked about pitching it uh, in a present, like in a, in a dope way where they can understand the value. Cause right now they're probably not spending a guaranteed check every month on something. Mm. So you have to make them understand and believe why it's valuable for them. What are they going to gain? What efficiency are they going to gain? By hiring you monthly to solve problems for them. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And then also, like we said, it's about putting the value on the amount of deliverables. What are you willing to deliver for that price? Being realistic with that. And then understanding that, you know, once you make that agreement, you got to live with it regardless of what, whatever else you take on, you know?
0: I, this was great. I feel like this was a good conversation. Yeah. I hope you guys awesome. uh, enjoyed it so far. Um, it's time for the community questions of the week why has anyone submitted like a dope ass someone that, that is listening make some shit for that i want a cool we trigger
1: need, we need the uh was it ali gross who sung our interest
0: ali where you at ali if you sing it we'll play it next week please do it <laughs> questions of the week we need that shit all right so if you have creative questions that you'd like to pick our brains on we would love to help you out so you can get um you know just email us a voice note You can use your phone or whatever voice recording app you have on your phone or submit a video to bwncsubmit at gmail.com. Keep it 90 seconds or less and we'll answer as many questions as we can on each episode of The Morning Roast. So uh, our first question comes from Anthony.
1: Hey, what's up, Ben? This is Shaboobs, and I got a quick question for you in the Black With No Cream community. I'm curious, how do you guys go about organizing your footage for a narrative like a short film or even a feature film? Last week, we finished wrapping up a short film and this is the first time working with red footage and a professional sound guy. And so I've got all of these clips from the video and the sound, and I have no idea how to organize it. Do you go in the folders first and organize them by day or scene, or do you just import it into Premiere and then organize from the folders? And then how do you go about syncing your red footage with your recorded sound?
0: Shaboobs, Yo, thanks for submitting the question, bro. Um, this is a good question. Uh, congrats on your project. Excited to see what you come up with. I mean, when it comes down to it, Dave and I have learned a lot about file management, uh, especially working with some of the project managers that were on our Beyonce Jay-Z tour. I learned a lot from working at Riveting and our post supervisor, Addison was a beast with file management and taught me a lot about it. And, and there's kind of a process, like every video, you have your DIT, right? That uh, the video shoot that you're on, you have your DIT. The DIT is the person that you hand the card to after a certain amount of, you know, scenes, especially when you're working with Reds, you want to be dumping this footage as often as possible in case something happens to that camera. So, um, the way they do it is they're just dumping it, they're taking the card and they're dumping it onto your drive and then they back up that drive. And so you'll have a series of, of cards, right? And the best way that I've, I've done it, it, unless it's a project that goes multiple days, there's different ways that you can go about this shit, I guess. Um, but on a single day shoot, you just have all your red cards and you would base it off the slate, right? So you should be, especially if you have a sound guy, you're using a slate. The slate's gonna mark out um, which take it is, which scene it is, and that way your your post person can go in and sync that stuff up. So for a short film, in my opinion, the best way to go about it is just organizing your media based on the cameras and then building your string outs in, in a sequence, right? By scenes and going through and make sure that every file has been accounted for. Like you wanna take all your red files, bring them into it. And so it's a string out of all the red files and then find all the audio files and match each audio file up. So you can see the string out there. So you may have like five takes of one piece, but you want to sync every audio piece to it, or maybe it's one long audio take. So you're syncing red. I mean, it really, all of it just varies, but in my opinion, it's easier if you can put it all into sequences. So you know that all the footage has been counted for and then, From there, you're going to go and you can create multiple sequences for each scene. So maybe you have a scene that was in the restaurant, you have one that's outside. And after you've sunk it all together in the string out, you could go and take that and build your mini sequences of just all the footage from that one specific scene. So then you can kind of get creative within that area. You know what I mean? Do you feel like I'm leaving anything out on that? No, I think that's good. Yeah, there's plenty of resources on like YouTube and shit about file management. And there's all kinds of different ways you can go about it, but definitely do some research on that. But um, whatever works best for you and, and helps you stay as organized in the edit without losing track of footage uh, is important. So let's go to the second question. It's from Evan. Um, let's run it right now. Ben, what's going on, man? I'm Evan. I'm a freelance, self-employed video editor. Uh, used to shoot, but ever since the pandemic hit, I've kind of transitioned more into
1: video editing. And I'm going to be honest, this is like the most amount of work I've gotten and, you know, I'm I'm really, I got these invoices coming in and I, I got to be honest with you, I'm getting a little bit nervous for tax season. Um, just a few questions like, what do I got to be prepared for? Do I have to hire an accountant that is specific to us freelance creatives? Do I have to pay quarterly? Um, what do I got to watch out for? You know, do I got to set aside money per invoice? Uh, you know, because we all know that those invoices that we submit and receive are not taxed yet. So I just want to make sure that I'm set up for success Um, so when tax season rolls around, I don't got to have any surprises or anything pop up. So would really appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yo, Evan, great question, man. This is something I think people have requested. It'd be dope if we could, uh, we should definitely do a morning roast where we bring in a a tax accountant to help with this. I'll just tell you my my process. So worrying about tax season mostly about making sure you have everything accounted for for two reasons. By the time April rolls around one, you want to know all of your expenses, have everything categorized because if not, you're going to be. Hating your life, trying to go back into all your bank accounts, all of your uh, you know, statements, trying to figure out what is what and categorizing it. So I do definitely it
0: every year, yeah. <laughs> ben Lilly does life. it every
1: year, and he he has he hates it. He has to sit there with the iPad and try to categorize stuff. So I use a program called Waze, where every month I'm categorizing all my expenses that I'm that ha- are have to do with business into different categories. So that way, when tax season comes around, and, and then the accountant that I hire asks me. How much did you spend on travel? I have that number categorized. How much did you spend on equipment? I have that. So definitely do that. And if you do that monthly, it's going to help you out so much. I promise. Another tip that my account told me is the best thing you can do is have a spending account, whether it's a credit card or a business account that's specific to your business, right? So you don't want to have an account where you're spending something for business, but you're also buying a beer at the bar with your homies. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're going to try to play that off as as written off, but you know whatever it is, because You're you're muddying the water, and you. The ideally, the the most ideal, perfect situation is that your business account, let's say it's a checking account, can serve as like a pseudo profit loss because all the money, the only money that goes in is what you're earning, and the only money that comes out is a business expense. So, but then by the end of the year, the money left should be your profit, right? So Mm -hmm. that's that would be in a perfect world. Now, you know, sometimes I spend I. You know, I I only have my business card with me or whatever it is, and I buy groceries on my business card. But you can categorize that in ways. The second thing is you're talking about setting, setting away money or pay, paying quarterly. I don't pay quarterly. I pay all at the end. I feel like the best opportunity for me to reduce my tax liability. But the problem is, is if you're not setting aside money or you don't have a savings account, if April rolls around and you've been having freelance income all year that's not taxed, and you get a six thousand dollar bill or a three thousand dollar bill, and you have no money, and it wipes you
0: you're fucked right my dad always encouraged me as soon as i went freelance was always like set 25 or 30 percent aside from every check like just have another account and just put that money there don't ever fucking touch that shit because at the end of the year you're gonna hate your life when when like dave said when it gets wiped i'm glad dave started answering this question because he's way better with terminology and shit and i'm like low-key forever the worst person with my fucking money and understanding how that shit works to to a strategy it is i always just hate doing it. So I put it off to the last minute and I stressed myself out because I did a terrible job all year long categorizing it. And Dave suggested, uh, ways, which is, a uh, is it ways or waves wave wave wave, which is a great application. Uh, it's free and it helps you categorize by expenses and all that shit. And it's really easy. And you can give that t- to your tax person. They'll, they'll love you way more. Um, same with QuickBooks, which is a paid version of it, which is probably worth the investment too. And, um, yeah, I, am going to start going quarterly. Pain, And I'm a, I'm, I have an S-Corp, so things are done a little bit different than an LLC, right. but I'm going to do it that way. But yeah, because at the end of the year, if you're not planning for that, or you don't have expectations of like how much money you made and how much money you spent on your business, it can fucking hurt. And you want to strategize as much as possible and make sure you're being smart with your money. So we did have a, an accountant come on the show. Kevin, it, mo-
1: it was COVID, COVID specific.
0: It was, it was COVID specific, but I just called Kevin the other day to get some advice on my tax shit. And I think I may at a certain point, like hire out taxing and accounting on all levels where every month I would sit down with them and go over what I'm doing so that they're taking everything into consideration of how I'm running my business and how I'm spending my money. And they're making um, my money work for me way better. You know what I mean? By having yeah. someone thoroughly take care of it because they just know, um, I'm a creative, and I literally could give two fucks less about thinking about that shit. And I'll always be like, oh, I'll do it this weekend, and then the weekend rolls around, and I do five other things. You know what I mean? And then right. all of a sudden, it's the end of the year, and I got an iPad, and I'm fucking color coordinating my fucking expenses. And exactly, <laughs> and
1: I, you know, and the funny thing about taxes is, like, right? The you know, with creatives, you start thinking like, oh, I can write this off. Like, I'm driving here, I can write this off, and you start thinking you can write everything off, and it's true, you can. Right? You can't. You don't want to do too much, and you also don't want to do too little because, like. You You know, last tax season, I remember I I had a big, I had a bigger bill. You know, I asked my tax lady, I was like, how, how can I, you know, protect myself from this next year? And she's like, spend more money. You know what I mean? So like really uh, analyzing it every month and kind of even getting outside up perspective on it, whether you have like a talent you can check in with, you know, you want to have a, you know, enough expenses to be able to lower your taxing, like your taxable income, right? The more expenses you have, the less taxes you have to pay. Because your make your profit is less, you know? We, so, we
0: will definitely we will definitely find a way to create an episode specifically about this because we can there's so many variables and and we would love to like help the community out. And I know a lot, yeah, of, yeah we, like lot of people we'll definitely, asking about it. We'll definitely
1: it. plan that. We need to put that in our thing because that'll be sick. Even if it was like February or March, if we can uh get an accountant in here and we can have a full interview like that, that would be tight.
0: Shout out to Shaboobs and Evan for submitting questions. Yo, for real, make sure you guys, if you have anything you want to talk to us about, we like this segment. Uh, Hopefully you like it too. If you want to ask your question, you know, submit it to BWNCSubmit at gmail.com. We're waiting for you. That's it for the episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Black Cream. Join the community if you haven't done that yet. Um, Check out other past podcast episodes. We got a shit ton of them and they're all bangers. So make sure to check that out. And uh, we'll be back next Monday. You bitch! (laughs)